Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There is a guy by the name of David Safran who was sent to a for profit residential treatment facility in Running Springs up in the mountains. When he was a youth, he had some uh, mild depression issues. He was from Chicago, and he was sent to this compound to treat his mild depression. Turns out David Safran grew up and never forgot about this place. He's got it out for this place and has written a 16,000-word expose that he posted anonymously on Medium back in 2018 that may, has led, may have led police to kind of look into this treatment facility because it turns out three teenagers vanished from this same location over an 11-year period. Now... A detective who is working these cold cases, uh, Alicia Rosa, works for the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department at the Twin Peaks station, starts looking, you know, doesn't just sort of the initial look into these three cases. From 1993, a, a kid named John Inman, 94, a kid named Blake Persley, and in 2004, a young man named David Yoon. And all three of them, the last place they were seen was at this facility. Now, part of the issue with Running Springs, if you've ever been there, is if you, let's just say they ran away from this compound in Running Springs, it is rugged up there. It is sparsely populated. There's not a lot of stuff that you can access in this area, you know, gas stations or restaurants, whatever, to run in and say, I need help or I'm running away or anything like that. In fact, there's a lot of animals up there as well. Which is a possibility. I mean, listen, if if you've got, they'd been in service, they've been in business, I guess you could say it, from what, 67 is when they started. And we're talking about the, the 1990s when the first two kids disappeared and then 2004. Um, you're going to have hundreds, if not a couple thousand kids running through there. And they're just the sheer number of it, there's a possibility that they do get out, get lost, get eaten, something bad happens, or they simply disappear. Now, that is not what David Safran believes happened. He says that this was one of those places, almost cult-like, right, that had a great PR machine. It had the image of a magical mountain perch community, a touchy-feely theater camp for sensitive, creative children, where hippie counselors at outside tables read aloud passages passages of Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And uh, they say that that was not the case, that this was an involuntary two-term stint, that many parents would pull their kids from this place early. Um, His parents pulled him out of there eight months before he was due to come home. But he says, still, for over a year I was there, I was stripped of my rights. I was blocked from accessing a phone. I was decimated by the program's complex array of punishments. It's aimless, around-the-clock experiment in group confrontation, confession, screaming, humiliation, and cuddling. 
it wasn't odd for these centers to be everywhere. These at-profit treatment centers for teenagers and wayward youth. I mean, they were they were pretty popular. And I guess it was just at the time there was such a concern about the impact or influence that drugs were going to have yes. on on kids. Yes. And this was a way to uh, get it before it became a problem, I suppose. It's just it's an it's a weird thing because he, when David writes about these three boys specifically and the situations around their disappearances, there's just some basic things that you would expect to have happened in an environment where uh, these CEDU companies, C-E-D-U, that you would want if, – if the whole point of it was to protect these kids, right, to turn their lives around and make them better kids, the protection of those kids would be – you would think, a priority. Mm -hmm. And it just appears like it wasn't. Well, John Inman, Blake Persley, and Daniel Yoon, they say were among the program's softer kids. So this is one of these places where parents notice that their kids aren't right. And so they send them away with the hope of making them right, right? It's part of the troubled teen boarding school industry, to quote NPR out of Illinois. And this was a place up in Running Springs. Turns out in 1993, John Inman goes missing. 94, Blake Persley is missing. And in 2004, Daniel Yoon disappears, all from this place. Um, So David Safran's story regarding this was picked up by a cold case detective named Alicia Rosa, who in San Bernardino County was working out of the Twin Peaks station, started looking into this. And the... David goes through and identifies what he believes are the shortcomings when it comes to the investigation into these disappearances. And what appears to be, his allegation is that this is basically a cover-up that that starts with the organization, that continues with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department, and is perpetuated by the state. So what do we know about these missing kids? Jong Inman, the one who went missing in 93, seems like he had a visual impairment and a seizure disorder that he disappeared without his medication. A common enough occurrence, they said, considering the program did not employ full-time or qualified nurses and that med-drenched residents weren't allowed easy access to their prescriptions. He endured the program, John did, uh, for, well, we don't really know. that The the, the paperwork wasn't really good there. Um, Blake personally had a variety of physical and health impairments due to a horrific accident in toddlerhood. Um, His mother believed that he would get individualized attention there. That was not the case. He functioned at the level of a nine-year-old at 14. He walked with a limp. He had limited motor skills in his right hand and arm. He also had medication for seizures and and other conditions as well. He also left without his medications. And then there was Daniel. Daniel was sent there for basic teen blues. And uh, Daniel's stint lasted about 13 days. They believed he was a runaway juvenile. So as these are called in, right, the parents obviously can't find their kids. There are questions about what happened, who who was responsible for at that point notifying law enforcement if it was believed that these kids were runaways. Uh, according to uh, David Safran's piece, 
he said the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department was helping these kids. And his again, he's the one drawing these conclusions that for some reason the Sheriff's Department was sort of an extension of the CEDU facility. In that, if there was ever a runaway, Sheriff's Department would bring them right back to the place that they ran away from despite their protestations. And if there was a suicide attempt or someone with suicidal thoughts, it was the Sheriff's Department that was going to transport them down the hill to some facility for their 72-hour hold. Now, that's what they would be required to do anyway. The question is, were there some people inside the Sheriff's Department at the time who would have been receiving some sort of kickback or favor? That's basically what he's alluding to. This is also somebody, like I mentioned at the onset, has an axe to grind. Right. And he is a dog with a bone as well. That he clearly is a he's a he's a writer. Right. Um, But he. He's not letting this go because of his own experiences at this place, which absolutely is fair. It doesn't sound like it was a really great place to be. The more you hear about these teenager treatment centers, the the more you realize they were all pretty bad. Well, again, like you mentioned earlier, the for-profit version of this is very it, – it's going to be hard to find one on the up and up. Yeah. Because – that's their business model is bringing right. more people in. I mean, you referenced that um, one of these kids was brought in relatively young. Uh, they, when you're talking about middle schoolers who are being put put into yeah. these treatment facilities for what at the time, well, today we would probably consider them sort of normal teenage angst issues, sure. maybe exacerbated by social media today where they weren't then, but but that there would be better ways to get kids through those difficult times we've talked about it before too the drug treatment industry is very similar with very little to none oversight uh you don't you're not vetted when you work there there's not a lot of medical professionals they're not always treating the right problems because they're there to put the asses in the beds and to make a buck all the while your loved one who's struggling with whatever uh, you know addiction or what have you is, is not getting the help that they need. And you're spending money thinking oh, that yeah. this is what it's going to take. You right. Know, if all exactly. I do, if all I do is do this. Exactly. And we, we scrape by. You spend we, the $70,000 for right. the month, then uh, they're going to have their life back and, and you spend the money and you realize that they're not even treating the issue. Well, kids don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. Hey, Mondo. Yeah, Shannon. What do vampires never order at a cafe? I don't know. A steak sandwich. Oh, that would suck. Get it? Because you killed a vampire with a steak? Yep. We all learned that watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That when we learned it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's going to die of cholesterol. He eats it slowly. <laughs> or a lot of it every day. Clay liked it. He gives you a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) That is the creepiest thumbs up. (laughs) That's right up there with, here's Johnny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Neil Savager is the host of the Fork Report, joins us on uh, Tuesdays. Talk about food and cooking and stuff like that. And we both, both had soups last night. Yeah, he had a tortilla soup, and I had a uh, chicken chili verde. Soup. So Look at you. Yeah, it was the first the time I've there. played with tomatillos. Yeah. And poblano peppers. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have some tortillas? Uh, my husband did. I didn't get into the tortillas. Mm. Are you making fun of me being super white right now with my no. tortillas? No. Mm-mm. Mm. 
I didn't know it was <laughs> Racist Tuesday. Half of me is laughing at you profusely. The other mm. half is going, I sounded right to me. <laughs> the uh, the greatest thing about this kind of weather, and we don't see it enough in Southern California, is that it is everybody feels like the soup is a necessity at a time like this. But it is. Soups are great, and if made right, because otherwise they can be salt bombs. Sure. Uh, but if made right. I omit uh, the salt now from soups because I find like there's enough if you're using a chicken broth or something like that. You're doing it right. Yeah. If you the most things that you make, you're seasoning along the way, right? And you see chefs with big pockets full of spoons. They taste it and then they toss it into the sink. They taste. They keep doing that throughout the progression of whatever they're making. With soup, it's really kind of we wait to the end because if you use tomato paste, there's lots of salt in it. If you use, um, it, depending on the type of broth. If you're using a stock, it's going to be unseasoned. A broth is going to be seasoned, so you're going to have more salt on it. I would still recommend getting low sodium or uh, things like uh, the the higher end stocks, not just the you know boxed or canned right. stuff, and or make it yourself. Even better when you when you're making soup and you're cutting up the ends of the carrots or any of that stuff. That goes into boiling water, and you can make a pretty killer stock yourself. Bones, toss that in there. You bring it to a boil. Wrappers. Magazine, (laughs) junk mail. What? This is styrofoam. That should go in right. Campaign ads. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of corks floating on top. Looks good to me. Um, That Rick Russo one's going to give it nice flavor. Uh, But you can, and then you keep it. It in there. I will tell you, soup is not only easy to make or can be easy to make. You can make a simple soup and then you can progress into the more difficult soups, but they freeze incredibly well. A couple of hot tips with that is portioning because people that will portion them out don't understand that the broth is going to be one part and then the bits, the guts. Yeah. The, 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 the chewables, right? Um, so make sure that you you can even separate them and put the broth into I do it in Ziploc bags and then balance out all of the goodies in there as well. You don't want to freeze things like uh, pasta in them though. Keep, take that out, put new pasta in when you reheat it um, and and that type of thing. But the hot tip is once you've sectioned them out properly, put them in a Ziploc bag. Um, this is after they've cooled in in the refrigerator, which should be after about one and a half hours on the counter to cool down, then put it in a container into the refrigerator next day, then portion it out into the bags, Ziploc the bags, lay them flat on a cookie uh, sheet. Sounds like in, a lot of work. The- <laughs> my pressure cooker or my instant pot recipe last night took about 15 minutes. And you didn't have any left. I didn't have Ziploc bags. I didn't have uh, bits. Okay, but... <laughs> But if you lay, but listen, if there was anybody else in the house, I mean, you can, it's going to keep three days in the fridge. You'll be fine. But if you're freezing it, that's true. um, Freeze it flat. And it's like stacking books or or records. And and it takes up way less space than putting it into a butcher's um, or deli container and And stuff like that. To that point, there's also a lot of the new refrigerators with their uh, freezers, the ones in the bottom freezer on the bottom, they have pizza drawer or yeah. uh, pizza pockets or whatever they call on the them door. on the door. A, yeah. 
and you can fit a bunch of your flat stuff in mm, there. Exactly. It's supposed to you know, that's be where the we put size them. of a pizza box, but that'd be a great place to put that's it. That's exactly where I put them because we have one like that too where they have that extra. I just love it. Uh, in America, they're going to have frozen pizza. We'll I don't think the they have that. Box. Yeah, I don't think they have that in Italy. <laughs> I don't think they have the frozen pizza space. The other thing I love about soup season, and I know it's not just for soups, but that when the – if you know, you're going to sweat your vegetables and you sweat yeah. your garlics and your onions and things like that before yeah, you put it in aromatics. there. There's no house that won't smell good after you do that. And it only takes a couple of minutes of that stuff onions, in a frying pan with garlic. a little bit of butter, whatever it is, and boom. You don't even need to know what you're making. Nope, it's doesn't just matter. like start with yeah, that. It's true. It's like baking bread. It just the whole house. My husband up. will be like, "Smells great in there." I'm like, "I just have onions and garlic. <laughs> yeah, cur- garlic but cooking. That's the, <laughs> that should sir? be the candle, that you sir. Made. Did you call him sir? No, I just have onions and garlic cooking. Is what I said. Sir, he said sir. No, I do That's not call sure. anyone sir. Is everything okay at home? Uh, yeah. You all right? I'm I'm good. That, Are oh, you projecting? Just, no, Did she kick you out? No, it was a shadow, and I was just wanted to make sure it wasn't a bruise. Hey, have you ever eaten forty chickens in uh, in forty days? Probably. <laughs> so forty Eat. chickens in forty days. Eat his fortieth rotisserie chicken in forty days. The world's worst documentary. <laughs> now that, referred to as the Philadelphia Chicken Man. So the, you know, sometimes people it do looks this like for Chris and Carlo, doesn't it? It does a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We we do lost all him guys up look north. like that from Philadelphia. He's in, he's in a bush somewhere up there eating rotisserie chicken <laughs> the weird thing is this guy alexander uh, Taminsky, is 31 years old this isn't like a like a bet that he lost or something it isn't like to make money he doesn't have a brand or something that he can promote there was it was for he some reason just like a miserable sports fan or something no he just thought there was so much sadness and stuff in the did you like that there's in the background of him eating the rotisserie chicken, there's a bottle of Pepto-Bismol? I think that I think there's probably a larger version of that in the fridge or something. Because he said on day 11, he still kind of had a smile on his face. Mm. And then it kind of went south. And then every other time he looked in distress. You, and he said that's about when it started. Uh, the bloat from the sodium, which oh, is sure. high in those things. And just the grease, he mm. said, like reaching for the dark meat. Well, which I enjoy, but it is greasy. And he's like, get, and you start to hear it as he's grabbing it, you know, days in. And he said it would make him like kind of sick. How much of it did he actually have to eat? I mean, if my, I think he if my grandmother was the one in charge of this, that he'd thing, be eating you the would, bones. He'd, he'd eat yeah. the bones. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm just, I mean, it, was there a weight that he had to do? He had to do a pound of it or two pounds or something? Like, I mean, well, I, I understand he, it was his only meal and he cleaned. Well, it would have to be his only meal. Yeah. I yeah. mean, could, you're not going to be able to put a whole lot of more into that after you start macking on that thing. No, and protein digests completely different. We are not built for single food intake. No. That's why we're never going to get to the Jetsons take this pill or whatever. When it's I not... was single. Yes. I, uh, I would I've eat... heard these stories before. So buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> I would you eat, woke up uh, somewhere. You didn't I'd recognize eat just bacon and... for dinner. Sometimes 
Like I'd come home, fry myself up some bacon, but, that's di- but you didn't and just it, eat that. You didn't do it for a week or four weeks or no. Or that's six true. Weeks like this that's guy. true. And uh, I mean, you were gonna. I don't know if you were gonna reference this, but that um, the old documentary about um, McDonald's. Whatever oh his name yeah, was. yeah. Super Size Me. Spurlock. Uh-huh. Is that his name? Um, that's that, a good watch. That was a great watch because it, it reminded me that you can't eat just one. Food or one because when of that food came or... out, I was a reporter and I'd hit up McDonald's like three, four times a week yeah. just for the sheer convenience of it. Sure, and I, I and it stopped <laughs> that or what's that? Like I stopped eating as frequently. Yeah, there. I mean, I enjoy McDonald's, but you don't have to eat it three, four times a week. Yeah, who doesn't? It's a salt bomb. I know. I love. I put salt on a McChicken sandwich. Oi! What? Yeah. Well, I would check for blood leaks. That's why I only eat it now like once a, (laughs) you know, a month or so. Okay. He said he would, man, struggling to make it through the last 11 days of the challenge. Alexander said he would chew the chicken into small pieces. I don't wash I it say, down with water. I really it, need to stop in his mouth listening to the story it. about this guy because I'm getting a little sick to my uh, stomach. That's the weird thing. He thought it was just he. He thought his mission was simply that he was going to bring joy to someone watching it. That's not what that is. But that's um, in that there yeah. is nothing to it. It wasn't for money. There was nothing. Uh, Taco Bell is bringing back the Inchirito. Who called that on the show when yeah. we talked about it last? Probably Lena. <laughs> The Inchirito has an even longer love story than the Mexican pizza. It goes back to 1970 before its departure in 2013. It's made up of a soft flour tortilla loaded with seasoned beef, beans, and diced onions, all rolled up and smothered with its classic red sauce before being topped with... Keep going. (laughs) You know what that sounds like? It sounds like... Music from heaven. I listen to the trumpet of Jesus. Oh my God. The world hears a different sound. Song is the best. Hands are raising. I'm a member of the Holy Ghost traveling band. I'm a member of the Holy Ghost traveling band. Uh, I've never heard of the Imperials before, so when I heard that. Yeah, that was new to us. Blind you spot. start packing up like the last hour of the show. That is not true. I just started. I you combed your hair. You put on lip gloss. Now there's a bag of some kind on the console. Well, I mean, a bag of some to... kind. I don't know. It... Just trying to find my keys. Oh, here they are. Got it. She's gonna jump out the window with a parachute. I maybe she that's what that right bag is. My, um, my mom listens to you make fun of me about this and said that. You know, she said, you know, your father used to always do that. He'd always have his keys out like an hour left in his work day yeah. and ready to jump in the car. That's the way a family works. It's funny. I am exactly the opposite. My wife has to pull me out of places. Really? Yeah. She'll 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 be tapping her wrist like she's looking at her uh, watch. Yeah. For like an hour before I notice it. And then I go, oh, my gosh, look at the time. Yeah. Well, your time's up here today. Because Johnny oh, Kenner I didn't even in. notice yeah. that you were doing that. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I was looking right at you. I didn't even see it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.